The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What are the most successful change leaders of today doing to deliver great results? Welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program is produced by the Institute for Transformational Leadership at Georgetown University. We'll explore the inner game of transformational leadership, sharing insights from renowned leaders and faculty from our world-class leadership and coaching programs. Now, from Georgetown University, here is Kate Ebner. Good morning, and welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership. My name is Beth Greenland for today's program. We're delighted to have with us today Dr. Jennifer Garvey-Berger. Jennifer is the author of Changing on the Job and co-author of a new book, Simple Habits for Complex Times. Jennifer is a partner in Cultivating Leadership, a global consulting firm that focuses on developing leaders and organizations so they can successfully navigate our increasingly complex world. Some of the organizations Jennifer has worked with include Microsoft, Wikipedia, and KPMG. So welcome, Jennifer, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Beth. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're delighted to have you. So, Jennifer, let's start by hearing about how you became interested in working with leaders around this idea of complexity. I think the thing that first got me interested is um, I, I started off as a teacher working with kids, um, and I was captivated by the way kids changed and grew over time. Um, and shortly after that, I started to work with uh, teachers and principals. And that turned out to be a, a really different kind of exploration. Teachers and principals, some of them, I was just a, a, a kid myself at the time. I was 23 years old, and I was working with teachers and principals who had been in their jobs longer than I had been on the planet. And, wow. um, and so it was... Uh, a kind of feast of difference for me to try to be managing um, a classroom, if you'd like, with folks who were so different in age and experience. And I noticed that it, it wasn't just differences in age and experience that seemed to be standing out. There were really different ways they thought about the world. Uh, and I thought, I'm, I need a whole different toolkit to get good at this. <laughs> so I went back to school and um, got a doctorate in adult development and started again working with teachers and principals trying to figure out how to, uh, I, I guess, how to help them make the world a better place. And mm. um, over time, my sense of urgency increased uh, about how quickly we needed to be doing things to make the world a better place. And um, somehow the the idea of working with school kids and helping them grow into the leaders of tomorrow started to seem a little slow. Uh, and so I started more and more working with organizational leaders who had um, 
more agency today. I still work with teachers and principals some, but now my practice is probably about 90% organizational leaders um, around the world. And the, the complexity question you ask me is, um, the thing I became totally captivated by is how do we get big enough to handle our um, context and with a context that changes and grows so much, with a context that makes so many demands on us, how do we actually get to be the people who are capable of meeting those demands? And complexity is the, uh, the biggest step change, I think, in what's going on for us. Um, and so that's where complexity theory joins the adult development theory in my work. Mm. So how do we get big enough in our in our understanding to handle our context? How do we get big enough in what we see? Say more about that, how we get big enough. It's the whole thing, Beth, really, right? It's um, how do we get big enough in our understanding, in our ability to handle our own anxiety, in our um, ability mm. to understand the incredibly diverse perspectives and the diverse stakeholders around us, Um so it's not just a cognitive thing. How do, we ha- how do we get big enough to think in different ways? Although we do have to think in different ways. We also have to be in our bodies in different ways. We have to um, be in our relationships in different ways. And we have to be on the planet in a different way. Hmm. So, Jennifer, share with us some of the particular challenges that you're seeing the leaders you're, you're working with facing um, that's um, inviting you to, to help them deal more successfully with these complexities? I see challenges ranging from um, the little complexities of trying to figure out how to um, deal with people who themselves haven't changed well enough to keep up with a changing work environment and how to hold that with uh, strength and compassion and support mm. Um, mm. to the more sort of global massive challenges of what do you do when your business model is fundamentally altering before your eyes and, um, and that the way your profession has been conducted for the last hundreds of years is no longer going to be the way the profession is conducted in the next decade. Um, and you, and those you can see the, the little example and the large example interact with each other quite a lot, right? Because if your business model is changing, how do you deal with all the people in your organization who are changing more slowly than the business model? Mm, yeah, it's, and it's tremendously it's, challenging. Yeah, it, it's the, the challenges and the speed and pace of them are so significant. And with the with the way the global economy is working right now in, um, in odd sort of, um, pulses, uh, people really don't know what's next. They really, really don't know. And that's an incredibly confusing situation to be in. Oh, for sure. And, and I love that you titled the book Simple Habits for Complex Times. So the habits, the habits are simple. The times are complex. So, so tell us about what those sim- some of the simple habits might be that, you are, um, that you're offering to leaders to help, help us navigate these complex times. So one of my business partners and I, um, Keith Johnston, 
have been wrestling with this question for the last almost decade. And the thing that has been interesting to us is we, we come from um, quite different backgrounds. And so we sort of sat down to try and figure out what are the different places that we've come from, the different experience sets, the different theory sets. What do those things all tell us about how to help people become better able to handle this complex world? And over time, we came to this notion that actually what, what people need to do is they need to develop new habits of thinking that are a little bit counterintuitive. They're not the regular mm. habits we use. And in fact, neuroscience, which has um, you know, been springing up uh, significantly in the years since we've been playing with these ideas, shows us in many ways why these habits are not um, our regular ones, because each of them takes a different kind of effort. Each of them is actually a, a kind of a load on the brain instead of an easy shortcut that our brain can make to save us the trouble. Uh, and we got it down to three, and they really are simple, um, but they're super powerful, actually. And um, we've been using them now for you know nearly a decade as we design our leadership programs and as we coach our clients. Um, and they, uh, they tend to work. So here they are. Um, the first one is about asking different questions. So it turns out that the questions that we ask automatically, the questions that our brain just automatically produces for us, those questions are not, not going to challenge our assumptions in any ways. They're not going to, um, by and large, they come from the way we think about the world and they fit neatly inside the way we think about the world. And so if we want a question that's really going to challenge us to think in a new way, it has to be a different question. And we played around with the idea of asking better questions, but actually we're not talking about better questions. When we ask um, groups full of people all around the world, who asks them the questions that make them think the very most, the number one answer we get is children. Children ask us the questions that make us think the very most. They ask us, well, what's an accountant anyway? And why does the world need what you do? Um, and those are really powerful questions. And so the, the, the thing that we've gotten to is that actually the thing that makes the difference between a question that really helps you think about the world in a new way and a question that doesn't is the level of the curiosity with which the question was asked. And so it's asking these different and more curious questions that can take us to a new place, open up a new solution possibility, and let us see a, a part of the map that we hadn't noticed before. So that's the is first that one. Like challenging is that like challenging assumptions, Jennifer? Is it something like that? You know, sometimes it's like challenging assumptions, but sometimes it's just um, uh, we do a lot of work in action learning groups, for example. And, um, and if you put somebody from IT and somebody from finance and somebody from HR along with somebody from the business and even better, a client – um, or a customer, all in a group together looking at a challenge, the questions they naturally ask that, that don't necessarily challenge the assumptions of somebody else, but just arise from a different set of assumptions because of my different background or my different training, these different questions that I ask naturally are going to be helpful to you. 
they're going to put you into a different place. Whereas if you put everybody from the accounting department together, um, we might all have similar training and similar backgrounds, and we might not be able to um, extend each other so much. So, so with the different, um, the different uh, points of view that you're saying that helps expand the, um, the, the possibilities, it sounds like. So, Jennifer, we're moving to our break. Um, just give us a, a little hint, and we'll, we'll pick it up after the break. What are the other two habits of mind? The other two habits are taking multiple perspectives and seeing systems. And we can talk about those after the break if you'd like. Yes, let's do that. So we'll come back and uh, talk about taking multiple perspectives and seeing systems. Thank you so much, Jennifer. And we'll be back after the break. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email itlprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The bottom line in business talk. Engage with Andy Bush takes you inside the mind of a top global market and public policy analyst who has been featured regularly on CNBC, Yahoo Finance, and numerous radio and television programs. Our program will bring you guests and stories from the top of the political and business worlds. Each show includes Andy's point of view roundup and what it means for you at home. Life's complicated. Let Andy help you figure it out. Tune in every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. You are listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. And welcome back to Inside Transformational Leadership. 
and I'm Beth Greenland, your guest host. With us is Dr. Jennifer Garvey-Berger, co-author of Simple Habits for Complex Times. Jennifer, before the break, you mentioned the other two uh, habits that you are describing. Uh, You said one was taking multiple perspectives and the other was seeing systems. Can you say more about this idea of taking multiple perspectives? Taking multiple perspectives turns out to be one of the hallmarks of our growth if you look at it from an adult development um, theoretical background, right? So taking multiple perspectives is the ability to not just hold somebody else's perspective um, that's similar to yours, but the ability to hold the perspective of somebody who thinks about the world in really different ways or might really disagree with you and hold it not in opposition to your perspective, but alongside it so that you can mm-hmm. sort of stand on the balcony of both of those perspectives. Or in many um, leadership contexts these days, it's not both. It's like seven or 17 or 70 perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can come up not with a choice between which one of the perspectives you'll go with, but something that... Um, that holds and enfolds and honors um, many, many perspectives at once. So the ability to hear even ideas that are going to disagree with, say, my, my ideas about the way things should happen, but not feel threatened by it, but rather find a way to incorporate that perspective and other perspectives in, in our desire to move forward. That's right. Do and have hearing that right? Is- uh-huh. He, that's perfect. Hearing is exactly the thing you do. One of the core tools of multiple perspectives is listening and not listening to reload, not listening to somebody else's argument so that you can um, hone yours and convince them, but actually listening to learn, listening to figure out what is this different perspective and how does this different perspective um, shape, shift, alter contribute to, mess with, confuse you, um, you know, uh, listen to, to be knocked off your perch a little bit. Wow, that's a, it sounds simple, and as you describe it, a simple habit and also challenging, I would think, for, for those of us who kind of like our own points of view to really Which is open all up of us. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we did call these the easy habits. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're just simple. They're not easy. So tell us about the seeing systems idea. So seeing systems is um, uh, in some ways the hardest to describe, uh, but all of the other perspectives, all the other habits actually help you get there. Seeing systems is about moving away from our natural tendency to look at simple cause and effect um, and look at the the sort of things that happen between two points and instead pan out and see what are the patterns in the system? What are the things the system is inclined to do? What are the hot spots? What are the, um, what are the quiet bits? What's in the center and what's on the edge? It's about, uh, in, instead of doing the thing that we tend to do, which is diving really deep and disaggregating and pulling out the problem bits and trying to solve them, this is about taking a helicopter view and kind of squinting your eyes up a little bit so that you notice patterns more than individual events. 
Hmm. So I'm really taking a big step back to look at what you said, patterns instead of individual events. You know, I, I picked up something in your book that I, I thought was really interesting. You talk about, a, is it VUCA or VUCA world? VUCA, yeah, um, people could talk about it as VUCA. Yeah, say, say more about what, what that is and how that connects with the systems idea. So right now when people um, are writing about the world and what's coming, they often talk about this VUCA thing, and that's the increase in four different but related pieces. Um, volatility, uncertainty, um, complexity, and ambiguity. And um, each of those bits without the other would be startling, but they actually, VUCA acts as a simple uh, a system too. They ramp each other up. So in a world that's really volatile with lots of complex interconnecting pieces, of course, it's going to be more uncertain and ambiguous because you just couldn't possibly know what's going to happen next. So, um, so as one increases, it tends to increase its friends and it makes Mm -hmm. our lives more challenging. So it seems to be particularly challenging then for leaders who are, to some extent, charged with helping their their people understand what's going to happen. I mean, we hire leaders and to to help us, um, I guess, have a sense of clarity or certainty, oftentimes about the future. And so, and so, it sounds like we're asking leaders to both be clear and certain, and also to be successful in navigating this VUCA reality. I know. It's really mean, isn't it? It seems like a, <laughs> a, a pretty miserable thing for a single human being to try to do. Um, and indeed, uh, our idea of what good leadership looks like has been shifting over the last years. You know, we talk about this move from the more command and control leader to a leader that's more adaptive, more able to handle wicked problems. Um, And this is that same shift uh, just kind of ramped up uh, because you can't be command and control if you can't know what the future Mm -hmm. holds because it's just too small. It's it's too small a system. Um, And it, it has too few navigation tools Command and control is about me knowing what's next. And navigating uncertainty is about me with a whole bunch of people trying stuff out. uh, And none of us knows what's next. So this makes two sets of related challenges. Um, One of them is on the leader, as you've said, uh, because the leader needs to actually interact in the world in a totally different way. It's actually fundamentally different. Um, They need to uh, think in a different way. They need to approach problems in a different way. They need to communicate in new ways. It's like fundamentally different. Um, And also followers need to have a different set of expectations of their leaders. They need to not be looking for just tell me where to go uh, and I'll go there, but they need to be co-explorers and see their leaders as sort of the the master of ceremonies of this um, giant exploration. Um, And they need to find clarity where there is clarity to be had. You know, not everything is complex. Some things are simple. And so they need to be also able to direct 
in those spaces and find what's clear and solve it and move on and tell people what to do. You know, so it's a, it's actually not a replacement of one for the other. It's a, um, it's an addition. Well, and you use language like master of ceremonies on this wonderful journey and it it can sound really exciting as you describe that. And, And I'm, and I'm imagining, um, that it can also seem really, really scary to people as well. It's, it's so different from, as you say, this command and control idea that we're, that we're all used to, and many of us have grown up with that. Yes, and so many of our images are of that command and control style. I, I think the thing that's exciting for me is that when people really get their arms around it and they start playing inside a space of complexity and they release their natural desire to know what the right answer is, to know what's going to happen next, and to think that it's their responsibility to get the, the whole team to the other side of the river. When they release that, um, it actually turns out to be a lot more fun, as you say. It turns out to be more um, playful, exploratory. People learn more. The things about organizations that make people insane about bureaucracies, about how hard it is to get stuff done or to make a change, all those things begin to melt away when instead of trying to uh, kind of figure out the right answer and then socialize the right answer so that you can roll out the right product, instead you say, well, here's where we're going. I don't know quite how to get there. Let's play with that. And let's make our jobs about trying new stuff and learning from it and talking about it. It's just a different way of doing work. In your book, you describe um, this idea of safe to fail. And um, it's a funny pairing of words, isn't it? Safe and fail. (laughs) And I think for, for many people, those words don't go together. So tell us about what a safe to fail experiment might be. It's funny. We have some clients who um, just won't let us use the, the F word. <laughs> it's the new <laughs> F word. Um, they just, it just makes their skin crawl. Um, but we use it because we're so used to thinking of our jobs as being right. You know? And when we launch a new thing or we try out a new approach, the question people ask is, did it work? And in a complex situation, that's the wrong question. If you're asking the question, did it work, you're missing so much territory because the system changes so quickly, right? And the space that you can see is such a small part of it that one of the core things we need to do is be learning about, excuse me, how the system works and in what ways it's possible to change it and in what ways it's not possible to change it. And so if you're just rolling out things that work, it means you're trying very few things and you're probably not learning that much. So a safe-to-fail experiment is something that always succeeds as long as it's safe, right? So you, they're quick, they're um, cheap, they're not rollouts of a whole system, your organization is not going to go down if it doesn't work. It's a little thing you try out. Um, oh, and wow. whether or not it works doesn't matter that much because the thing that's interesting is what did you learn from it? If it works, that's awesome, but it has worked for you if you've been able to learn about what could the next experiment be and the next one after that. 
That's great, Jennifer. We're going to go to our break. And um, so when we come back, it would be great to hear some examples of uh, some of the safe-to-fail experiments that some of your clients have tried. Fabulous. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email ITLprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. Conversations concerning money can be a bit daunting. There can be limitations with building wealth. And in general, people don't want to discuss their money until now. Listen each week for Conversations with Money, featuring Franco Calagiri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our guests make money the conversation piece. How to build and maintain wealth, working with charities, and money and family members. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. And welcome back to Inside Transformational Leadership. Our guest today is coach, consultant, and author. Jennifer Garvey Berger. Jennifer, before the break, you were telling us about this idea of safe-to-fail experiments, and um, you were saying that there, there are small things that an organization can do to test assumptions, to test ideas, and the idea that, that keeps it from being a failure is the goal is learning. Can you say a little more about that and maybe give us some examples of some safe-to-fail experiments some of your organizations have tried? Yeah, so you'll hear they're really little, okay? Um, so 
uh, one of the organizations I work with, like actually maybe all the organizations I work with, struggles with alignment, um, especially across silos. The silos are fragmented and um, they think their work would be better um, and richer if they could if they could line up their work together better and have better cooperation across those silos. And so as they were thinking about little experiments, and, you know, people have tried all kinds of things for this, like they've tried um, uh, all sorts of organization-wide initiatives to try and decrease the power of the silos. And we have organizations that reorg and try whole new structures to try and dismantle the power of the silos often noticing too late that when you reorg, you create new silos um, because we have to be in little manageable pods. Anyway, um, so this one of the experiments they tried in dealing with this particular challenge was to take somebody from another silo to lunch. And the (laughs) leaders of the group gave folks um, a certain amount of money and the the job was to see over the course of six weeks how many folks from this other silo that you didn't know before could you take to lunch and what did you learn from them. And it became, um, it, it became not only a, a fun thing for people to do, but a way for, for folks to learn some of the ways the system was really open to change and some of the ways it bounced back because some people really took them up on that offer and took a lot of folks from the other silo to lunch and learned a lot and thought it was great. And some people took no one. Some people didn't touch this experiment. You know, it was run with like 20 people. And some of the 20 didn't didn't ever pick up a phone and make a call. And so you would say, so some of those were successful and some of those were unsuccessful. But actually the truth is you learn a lot by seeing how the the silo is resistant in some pockets and not resistant in other pockets. And you can make shifts in some places that might eventually carry on to the places that are more resistant. Um, so it's not like part of it was a success and part of it was a failure. All of it was interesting. You're learning from all of it. And, and you think about what the cost of a reorg would be, you know, to have yes. consultants in to work with you on that. And then you think of the idea of, no, instead, take... Take your colleagues from this other uh, part of the organization to lunch. Beautiful. That's yes, great. and they actually wonderful. They built um, several million dollars worth of collaboration client work um, by taking each other to lunch. So it was in that way financially, it was just a massive success. Um, but it 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 also helped them learn about the system, and it helped them go to one of the system the seeing system ideas, which is go to where the change is already happening. So then you can invest a little bit more in those folks who are happy to take their colleagues to lunch and see if you can push that out just a little bit more and see where that, um, that place where there's change already happening, whether you could ramp up that change. So go to where the change is already happening. Is that like build on your success or say more about that idea? It's the idea that we very often try to um, blanket a thing uniformly across an organization. But actually, um, 
change happens in fits and starts and systems move in unpredictable ways. And a system doesn't tend to change all at once in the same way. It has pockets, it bubbles, and then those bubbles begin to either spread or die. If you think about it from a systems perspective, you, you start to wonder where are the pockets that are moving in the direction I hope to be moving in, and how could I um, extend or expand those, and where are those places that seem to be moving really in the wrong direction, and what sort of experiments could I do that would dampen down those or make it a little bit harder to work in that way that I wish people wouldn't work anymore? Um, and so you can reach across, not looking for one right answer, but instead looking across the thing and just nudging, nudging, nudging. Mm. So I'm thinking about, you know, as you work with organizations and you work with some very large multinational organizations, how do you, how do you help leaders um, get, become more comfortable with this idea of complexity and, and how do you help them learn these habits of mind? Um, I have to say in some ways it's hard and in some ways it's really easy. Um, so it's really hard to begin to think about your job as a leader in a new way. And it's really hard mm-hmm. to uh, practice listening in new ways, practice opening up pro- problems to people in new ways, getting out of the kind of grooves of your own thinking. Those things are really hard. And um, when I describe the way things change or when I describe the way uh, the way they could be operating in terms of trying stuff out instead of arguing and arguing and arguing over what the best answer is, just trying stuff out, mm. um, it's such a delight <laughs> and it's, mm-hmm. um, it lets so much of the pressure out and it takes away um, a significant percentage of the kind of busyness that makes us insane um, and it replaces it with busyness that makes us interested and alive. Um, and so, so I think the answer is it's hard and easy and um, we're naturally drawn to it and we're naturally repelled from it. And it's about practice. It's about like any new way of stretching yourself into the world, like a yoga practice, like, um, like a meditation practice, like a, a basketball practice. It's about figuring out where the muscles are and strengthening them. And I'm really noticing and loving the way you're making it sound like fun. So this is... It's it's almost playful as you describe this new way of um, of approaching things instead of beating our heads against the wall. That we can perhaps bring a, an air of excitement and, and curiosity and play. Am I am I getting that right? That's exactly right. We laugh a lot. Um, <laughs> laughter's really good for us, and uh, and we laugh a lot because what we're trying to do is dismantle that heavy thing that says leaders have to be right all the time. Look, everybody's looking at you. You have to be right all the time. And we get to say, no, 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 no. Leaders are humans. And we have along the way lost our capacity to play with a thing and to, in our playing with it, to find totally novel solutions. And right now in a really complex world, 
those who can really play on the whole on the whole map, um, those folks are going to be the ones who survive. And so instead of the kind of somber, difficult um, marching that we sometimes think of organization, this, this requires a sense of lightness, experimentation, curiosity, and delight. And, and there's, it sounds like there's more energy in there. It's more sustainable. You know, this whole idea of resilience, you can be more resilient because it's just not so grueling. It's just not so hard. Yeah, that's great. You know, one thing... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was talking to a client the other day, and I was saying, um, and to her team, and I was saying, really, you should be spending a a bunch more of your time doing these safe-to-fail experiments. And she started to tell me how she has no time. None of my clients have any time. You know, they're just stretched to the max. And so, so we started to go over what she was doing now that she hated, and Um, what she would like to do if she had time. And we noticed that if she was playing more in the complexity space and doing more of these experiments, she would dramatically reduce the stuff that she hates and that she thinks of as beating her head against a wall. And she would dramatically increase the stuff that she really loves to do and the learning with which she loves to approach the world. And so by the end of that conversation, it didn't feel like an extra thing it felt like there's a big bunch of stuff I can stop and a cool bunch of stuff I can start. And that brings me to um, a new way of working that's probably more effective and definitely more fun. Wow. And, and, and as you say that, I'm hearing that the leader can just look at what they're doing and make that choice. It doesn't, the system itself doesn't need to do anything. It's really the perspective the leader takes on what their role is and what they should be spending their time on. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And we know that when we change one person in a system, sometimes that doesn't go well and sometimes it does go well. And the only way to know is to try it. Yeah, great. You know, another thing that really intrigued me about the book um, was the way you approached this idea of feedback and um I know a lot of leaders uh, are really challenged both in giving feedback and receiving feedback. Organizations that I've worked with just have so much challenge in uh, in both of those domains, giving and receiving feedback. And yet you, you say that being a feedback-friendly, being able to be very, very good at giving feedback is really, really important in um, helping organizations deal with complexity. How, why is that so important? We're going towards a break, so if you could just say a few words, that would be great, and then we'll pick it up after the break. Sure. Feedback is the lifeblood of, an organiz- of a system, right? Feedback is how we know what to do next. So if you want your system to be growing and changing, you've got to have the feedback loops in place. And I can talk more about that after the break if you'd like. Okay, that would be wonderful um, because I know a lot of organizations really struggle with it. So very much looking forward to hearing how to build feedback-friendly organizations, and we'll be taking a break. Thank you, Jennifer.
If you are in sales, do you repeatedly face the same challenges over and over? Slumping sales, job security worries, trying to get your brand off the ground. It's time to come over to a new way of thinking. It's time for Stand Up, Stand Out, or Stand Down with Malcolm Evans, the Sales Accent Guy. You'll hear what works today to keep you at the top of your sales game and increase your business directly from some of the most respected voices of the sales world. Tune in Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF Certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email itlprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Welcome back to Inside Transformational Leadership. I'm Beth Greenland with Dr. Jennifer Garvey-Berger. Jennifer has just completed a new book, Simple Habits for Complex Times. And before the break, we were talking about this idea of um, organizations becoming feedback-friendly. And, and uh, Jennifer, you were saying that feedback is the lifeblood of organizations, that we have to be good at giving and receiving 
feedback. And yet it seems to me in my experience that we're all terrible at it. So <laughs> no. how do you help organizations and leaders get better at being first being open to feedback and then giving really good feedback? It's so funny, isn't it? It's um, it, There are several ways that we're designed as humans that seem to be exactly misaligned with what we most need. Um, one of those ways is our deep desire to be listened to and our collective inability to really listen well to another person. And the other is our need to understand how it is we're doing and, um, and our uh, almost shedding of um, the, the sort of ability to be able to fill that need in a, in a helpful way. It, and the patterns are so consistent across culture and across um, discipline. Uh, I've worked with organizations all around the world and all different kinds of leaders and all different kinds of organizations. And the patterns are super similar. So I really do think it's the way we're wired. And so we have to rewire, right? We, we have to rewire in such a way that says our reflexes around giving feedback are unhelpful. And so we need to create new reflexes. We need to fight the ones we have and we need to create new ones. It's in, in just the same way that when people naturally swing a golf club, they don't swing it the way that it would be most helpful for them to do it. Their natural swing is not the best swing. Our natural response to how we give feedback to each other is not the best and so for me, it's about helping people come to new habits that are about naming more clearly what you see, listening better um, so that you release the idea that what you saw and the conclusions you drew about it are the same as the truth, um, and also sharing way more positive stories and not just saving feedback for those times when something bad happened. Um, but making it much more a part of every day, every day, every day, telling people the good stuff and the things you think should change and holding that really lightly so that you can learn. As the feedback giver, you can learn just as much as the feedback getter learns. So going back to that idea that learning is really the goal here. So the purpose of the feedback isn't to... Um, to criticize, condemn, or berate, or make smaller, but it's a kind of a thing we do together, it sounds like, to help us learn together. So it sounds like with that approach, then people aren't taking the feedback as personally as they often do. That's exactly right. It becomes more just a way to have a conversation and less... um, uh, Bob Keegan and Lisa Leahy talk about how often when we give feedback, we are being the supervisor with supervision. Um, and then you have to get it all right, and you have to know what the cause was, and you have to kind of line all your ducks up in a row. Often when we're giving feedback to somebody, we're giving feedback because something struck us as fa- fabulous or something struck us as not working. And um, and then the person giving the feedback often works herself up into knots about uh, how can I give it so that you can hear it and blah, 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 blah. Instead of saying, geez, I noticed this and it, it bothered me and I'm not even totally sure why it bothered me, but here's what happened and here's what I saw and here's why it bothered me. What was going on for you? And it turns out that those sorts of conversations are... Um, 
are incredibly helpful for an organization that's trying to keep changing and learning. If you don't have those kinds of conversations, you are going to struggle really hard to have an organization where the individuals are changing and learning and becoming more adaptable. Mm. Yes, what a different thing to be asking is, um, how are you understanding this or what's going on for you as you do this, compared to saying, why did you make that mistake or, um, you know, I can't believe you screwed up like that. I mean, it's a very different conversation to be in and a whole lot less threatening. Yes. Yeah, and it can great. be more a part of your everyday life, right? If you're asking it in those ways, you don't need to, like, steal yourself for it and prep for it. And it's not this heavy, hard thing. It's a thing that says, yeah. whoa, that unsettled me. Let's talk about that. <laughs> or the annual performance review, which we, yes, we know right. that many, many, many people dread on both that's sides, right? right? The, the, right. Leader, the supervisor and the uh, so. Very, very interesting. So a lot of, a lot of really useful, um, both ways, habits of mind, it sounds like, as well as, uh, skill set that you are suggesting to, um, to leaders to help them be more effective in dealing with this complexity. And how about, Jennifer, strategies for helping leaders develop their, their teams, the people that report to them? Help it, how do leaders build organizations that have these skills? It's, it's just a fractal, right? So a leader building these skills needs to work on um, increasing his or her capacity with the habits, and then you can play with those across an organization. You can play with the idea of experimentation. You can work on taking multiple perspectives. You can increase the odds that people will be able to ask each other different questions and you can help do that as people are making more sense of a system. So you can do it in coaching or leadership programs or um, business development programs or strategy sessions. Um, we more and more work with leaders in the middle of strategy sessions who are wanting to bring a kind of complexity frame to their strategy to make it more useful. And so we just work with these tools with them, helping them pay attention to what's going on now and get a bunch of perspectives so that they can start to experiment their way to a better tomorrow. And it sounds like just by the leader showing up differently, by the leader asking different questions, by the leader pointing out systems, by the leader taking multiple perspectives, they're really modeling. Would you say that's right? They're modeling the, this, this approach. And so other people can see it, learn from it, safe to fail, that idea that I'm not going to get chewed out if I, if we try something and it, and it, and we have learning from it that, that leaders can really, um, demonstrate how effective these behaviors are in their organizations. And because, yes, you're totally right, Beth. And because, um, many of these habits have been ours before as we've been learning, as we've been growing and experimenting as kids. In some ways, it's like coming home again. And so they mm -hmm. can be quite contagious, right? If I see you trying a new thing as a leader, it gives me courage. It encourages me to try this new thing as well. And because there's both more possibility for su success and also just less of a kind of weighty misery, um, it's more likely that I'm going to keep trying it. And, but also you have to be careful. The leader who says we're really into safe-to-fail experimentation, but don't screw anything up. Um, <laughs> right. 
that leader is not creating the right conditions for this sort of behavior. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, Jennifer, I want to thank you so very much for joining us in this rich conversation and for sharing your strategies for helping leaders navigate complexity and making it sound fun. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, and we will be back next week with another great conversation about leading in the 21st century. Best wishes to you all. Thank you for joining us this week on Inside Transformational Leadership. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Kate Ebner, next Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our programs, please visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. We'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.